the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We just concluded chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, and the author is, he took us up on Mount Zion and into the new Jerusalem, the city of the living God, in the midst of the company of innumerable angels, into the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, the spirits of just men who have been perfected and seated among them are seated in the middle of them, is Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. And you know that throughout this book, he has been proving to these Hebrews that they are now part of a new covenant, a new way of living, an absolutely new life. The author has walked us through 11 chapters of glorious doctrine, all which point to the superiority of the new covenant. Then in the tradition of the Spirit's teaching in the New Testament, we begin to transition into living. Kind of like what Francis Schaeffer titled one of his books, How Should We Then Live? Well, we're going forward into how we should then live, or at least what he instructed the Hebrews of that little fellowship, how we should then live. And many times people look at the instruction of the scriptures and they find it dull. They find it tedious. They don't find anything other than the law in it. Well, while we can be sure that there is the word of God, the commandment there, there's an instruction there. We in the new covenant do not approach the instruction of God with a sense of foreboding. If I were to tell you that there is a delicious meal awaiting you, that there is steak, that there is your favorite dessert, there is all the things that you love awaiting you in the next room if you will get up and go to it. Would you think, think that's a burden? Would you think that was asking too much? And I would say to you, just get up and move into the next room, but wait, I will carry you. Well, I don't know if I can trust you to do that. You might drop me. Then what would happen? I wouldn't make it into the other room. I wouldn't get any of that stuff. That's how we treat God. 
He has literally paved the way in the new covenant. Everything that he's instructed you to do, he has committed to empower you. Literally to infill you. And the instruction is your blessing. Because obedience is nurture for the new covenant believer. In obedience, we see him as he is. In obedience, we learn the truth of his nature and all that he desires concerning us. Obedience is not the ugly word that it might have been early on in Christianity or as a child. Obedience is something we should rush to, like the meal I just mentioned. So, in the beginning of chapter 12, the author kind of makes a clear departure and he begins to talk about life in general and he, he paints life as a race. And he's basically telling you that life is not something we can just put on autopilot. It requires a determination of faith. It requires a dedication of the soul, the mind, will, and emotion. And he says, this race is where the competitors must strip off every unnecessary weight and sin, which so easily and cleverly entangles us, and run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us, focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, the first incentive of our belief, and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God revealing his deity his authority and the completion of his work cast away every encumbrance set aside every fleshy indulgence and run with a singular focus on Jesus we were made to endure because we share his life what he is asking you to do is, is impossible in the flesh. This race isn't for the flesh. It's for the spiritual man. And the spiritual man is empowered. And do you know what encumbers you? Flesh. Do you know what, it, what holds you up and entangles you? Appetites of the flesh. In Galatians, Paul tells us, Walk according to the Spirit, and you will certainly not gratify the deeds or desires of the flesh. Well, we have one way to live and enjoy life. The life that we've been given is not a life in the body, although we have that. The life that Jesus called abundant, the life that he gave us, is spiritual life. It's the new creation life. And here's the thing. We have so many people that are miserable on many different fronts for many different reasons. And most of every misery you can put in the category of the flesh. It's in the here and now. It's in the body. It's in their, their perspective of where they're at and what they have and what they don't have. And they say, you know what? Jesus said he would give me abundant life. But he did. And you can choose, just like you choose to flip a switch on or flip a switch off, you can choose by faith to walk in the truth of your spiritual being. By faith. Well, what does that mean? That means that your, your emotions, your soul, 
may be an absolute rebellion, but you declare in the center of your soul, by your will, by the word of God, by the authority of his name, you declare, I will wait for you. I will stand in truth. No matter what you're feeling. No matter what this world is telling you. No matter what your circumstances are saying to you. You say, I will trust my God. He is faithful. We have a different reality than this world. Cast away every fleshy indulgence. Run with a singular focus. Then we end chapter 12 with a glorious picture of the glory that we will one day fully enter into. Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem. Now we've come to the life of a new covenant believer and what that life looks like. That's what we're going to look at in chapter 13. And as we look at these passages, let us be reminded that Jesus fulfilled the law. That because we are new creations made unto righteousness, his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness. These exhortations that we will be looking at in chapter 13 of Hebrews are impossible for the flesh. They are given for the new creation. They are fulfilled by walking in the spirit. And the author is calling for a spiritually empowered living. Spiritually empowered living. You want to know how to go forward in confidence and in hope? Because that's what we've been talking about. You want to know how to go forward in the joy of the Lord? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you want to know how to live in the fullness of that? By faith, walking in the truth of all that God has created you to be. And you say, well, I don't feel that way. That's your problem. It's not defined in your feelings. Well, my circumstances don't reflect it. That's your problem. It's not defined in your circumstances. If it was, how victorious would Paul be? Hmm? He said, well, I'm having trouble keeping my mind on track. Well, you know what? Practice. Practice taking those thoughts captive. What have we been reading on Philippians 4, verses 4 through 8? What have we been reading? Think on these things. That's a commandment. You say, well, I've got too many other things to think about. No, you don't. You should think of everything in the context of who you are in Christ. If you separate your life into categories and you live and live one way at work and another way at home and another way at church, you are divided in three ways when you've only been given one life and that is in Christ. It's spiritual. So we look at these verses and we remember that we are called to live supernaturally, not naturally. So, well, yeah, I don't feel the momentum of my spiritual being. It's because it's not going to be felt. In the body, it is not necessarily natural to be spiritual. Did you hear what I said? The bottom line is that your body is still under the curse of sin. And that curse is only subdued by submitting your body, yielding it as a living sacrifice, and allowing the Spirit of God to motivate you through your mind, will, and emotions to give your body as a living sacrifice in all of the works of God. In other words, like Jesus, I don't come into any room representing myself. 
I don't endeavor to do anything representing myself. I am a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice, how many rights do you think I have? None. You know what? I surrendered them when I laid on the altar. And as a living sacrifice who has surrendered his rights, I go forward in the calling of the Lord and I walk in confidence that it doesn't matter that I don't know everything. Boy, isn't that a big relief? Not to have to know everything? I know people, they're absolutely glued to the news because they feel like they have to know everything. We don't have to know everything. Do you have a shepherd? God calls you a sheep. You know how much a sheep knows? That's how much you have to know. Know your shepherd. Keep your eyes upon him. If you find yourself grieved over how far you've fallen short as we've gone as we go through these things, then repent. Forgetting what is behind, press forward to the goal of living to and from his life. A familiar verse that Paul wrote is Romans 12 and 2. And it says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. That's uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 8. So that you may prove for yourself experientially that what the will of God is. Because why? He's going to show you through your life. That which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for me, for you. Don't look to me, look to you. God has a plan specifically for you, uniquely for you. Not for your neighbor. It all involves him. But how many of us have been dashed on the rocks of comparison? You know why you are where you are right now? You're in the plan of God. That's why. You say, well, I made a lot of mistakes along the way. And God didn't know that. Before the foundations of the world, God had no idea that you were going to screw things up as badly as you have. Right? Wrong. God knew that before the plan was even formed. Otherwise, Romans eight twenty eight just be ink on paper, wouldn't it? Or God would be rushing around. And you know what? He'd be so busy with me, he wouldn't have time for any of you. We are to be in the world, but we are no longer of the world. You are not of the world. When you start worrying about what's going on in this world, and there's a lot to worry about. When you start worrying about what's going on in your body because it's in this world and there may be a lot to worry about there. When you start worrying about those things, you are treating yourself, you are treating your soul like you are of this world. You can make it real easy. When the enemy, the accuser comes to you and says, well, what about this and what about that? And what's going to happen to me here? And what's going to happen to me there? You can turn to him and say, listen, I am not of this world. What concerns me is in eternity. And God has his hand on me. There should be a lot of rest in that. We are not to yield our soul and body to be molded like putty to the world. 
It's a subtle undertow that pulls us so far out that we lose our sense of direction, if you will allow me that change in metaphors. If you're not holding to the moorings of truth, you're easily pulled away. I don't care what you believe about sitting at home reading our daily bread. You should be here. You should be in the Word of God, not reading it from your phone. You should walk in truth. You should affirm truth. You should pray without ceasing. Now, what does that mean? That means that in every step you recognize that you are communing with God and you let the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart be acceptable unto Him because you're in His presence. That means that everything that you enter into, you enter into in the context that you're walking in there with God. Yeah, that's praying without ceasing. You thought it was a whole bunch of these and thous and King James language, but no. It's walking With a presumption that you are before the throne of God. Okay. If you're not holding to the moorings of truth, you're easily pulled away. So the author, under the inspiration of the Spirit, is erecting mile markers in the way of standards for Christian living. To reveal the condition of your soul and the souls of the Hebrew believers. So, you know... Uh, I've used the illustration many times. When we would go to the beach as a family, I would always have my kids and myself, we would mark, we would look at one of those mile markers you see off the side of the beach. You know why? Because it doesn't take very long to get drifting out there. And then you're yelling for Ian to come back. But if you're watching those mile markers, you recognize the pull and you can push against it. Right? That's why God puts them there. So, let's begin our reading, the reading of our text. If you'll stand with me, we're going to read Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 6. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 6. Let love of your fellow believers continue. Do not neglect to extend hospitality to strangers, especially among the family of believers, being friendly cordial, gracious, sharing the comforts of your home, and doing your part generously. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as if you were their fellow prisoner, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body and subject to physical suffering. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. That is, regarded as something of great value, and the marriage bed undefiled by immorality or by any sexual sin. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature be free from the love of money. Shun greed. Be financially ethical, being content with what you have. For he has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. Nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently say, The Lord is my helper in the time of need. I will not be afraid. 
What will man do to me? May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, as most of you know, the chapter and verse divisions are not spiritually inspired. So at times there's this awkward division that might make you believe that the author has changed topics or emphasis. Now, the Hebrews would have likely read 12.28 and 13.1 together. So it would, would have been like this. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude and offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is indeed a consuming fire. Let love of your fellow believers continue. In your service and devotion to God, in reverence for your God, continue to love fellow believers. Now, what is revealed in that little word continue in the Greek is actually abide or dwell, not depart. This tells us to yield to biblical love and yielding to biblical love is a choice for the soul. It doesn't mean that you're going to have to get it from God. Now, you guys, most of you guys know this, but the reality is that when, when I'm commanded to love someone, i.e. your mate or your husband or even your enemy, I don't ask God to visit me with a special love. Why? Because he has shed his love abroad in my heart. I have his love. In fact, I cannot love as God defines it without him. I can't. Because it is not going to be separated from its source, which is God himself. So anytime you see him command for biblical love towards another, whether it be uh, Philadelphia or it be agape, both of these are biblical love. All right, so the brotherly love we're talking about here is familial love. And therefore, in your service and devotion to God, in reverence for your God, continue to love fellow believers. Now, again, this tells us yielding to biblical love is a choice. The word used for love here is the Greek word Philadelphia. And a word, a word most of you are already familiar with, and it comes from two words, Phileo, okay, and that means to have great affection for, and adelphos, which means from the same womb. So basically he's saying, have great affection for your brother from the same womb. This has application both for the Christian Jew and for the Jew that's non-Christian, because in the Jewish society, they saw themselves all as children of Abraham. So you are all brothers or sisters, right? But if you're a Christian, you come from Christ, and you share the same beginning. You share the same father. So you are all brothers and sisters, or as he refers to you, brethren, and you are of the same womb as each other, for you are all born in Christ. In John thirteen thirty four thirty five, we are called to love as Christ loves, because it is a witness to the world. John thirteen thirty four and 35, I'm giving you a new commandment, that you love one another, 
Just as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. Continue in the love of the brethren. Choose to love your Christian brothers as Christ loved them. Now, this is something that they had been doing, but there was a lot of pressure to reject one another, to separate from one another, even to betray one another because of the persecution they were undergoing and the pressure to return to Judaism. And you will remember that in chapter 6, verse 10, he commends the Hebrews for their love and their ministry to the saints. He says, for God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love with which you have shown for his name in ministering to the needs of the saints, God's people, as you do. The love and ministry were the work of the Spirit that moved, yielded believers to care for one another. When we walk by the Spirit, we can freely love and give without fear of loss or rejection, for our security is not in the flesh. That is the motive. That is what empowers us to be able to love one another. Before, we would be afraid to give love because we thought maybe we would be rejected. But we are eternally accepted. Whether or not you accept my love or reject my love doesn't change my obligation to love you. It doesn't. Why? Because it's not based on what you do. It's based on the life that's within me. That is why you can be called to the ministry of somebody around you that you don't particularly like. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.